it's terrifying, but also exciting. Cause you kind of, you kind of know, you get a gut feeling about something. Like I, I probably should be doing this. Like this is a really good opportunity, even though I'm scared. The Side Hustlers Perspective Podcast is fuel for your mind and creative grind. Each week, we break down the art of healthy hustling, getting out of your own way, and growing your creative business. What's going on? You are listening to the big episode number 250 of the Side Hustlers Perspective Podcast. I am your host, Coach Scotty Russell, and my mission is to help you bet big on your creative pursuits, especially if you want to turn your side hustle into your main hustle. You can follow along with my latest art, design, and tips on mindset, motivation, and marketing over on Instagram at Coach Scotty Russell and all things podcast at Side Hustlers Perspective. Three quick, super important announcements, and I'll do my best to fly through these. But number one, I'm going to be dishing out my first keynote in over two freaking years over at Crop Conference in Austin, Texas, this April 29th and 30th. And I got a brand new talk I'm crafting for you. So get your tickets and your workshop tickets now at cropcons.com to soak up knowledge from Draplin, Say Adams, Meg Lewis, Hellcats, Fug, Strader, Belinda Co., Robzilla, and Brooke from Good Type. And of course, yes, I'm going to be there too. Again, get your tickets over at cropcons.com. It will sell out. Second announcement, the 12-week Side Hustlers Coaching Program is live and open to apply worldwide over at SideHustlersCoaching.com. Link is in the show notes. I'm seeking six to eight creative souls who want to go deep with me for three months to get laser focused about what you want while getting equipped with the tools to do it successfully long term. Enrollment closes March 1st and we kick off March 14th through June 5th. Again, apply at SideHustlersCoaching.com or use this link later on to join the waitlist for a future spring or fall program. I sincerely hope I get a chance to work with you this spring. And the third and final announcement is like, wow, what a massive milestone today. This is the big episode 250 and I'm just so grateful for all your support since I started this little podcast back in August 2016. This show has evolved as I've evolved and it's time to take a scary step toward making the show what I really want it to become. And what I envision this becoming is an all-in-one entertaining but insanely valuable coaching community and podcast all-in-one live streaming experience. And in order to build what's been in my mind for so long and been in my heart for so long is I got to take two months off at a minimum to set this up. Because of this, I'll be taking March and April off from the podcast and maybe more if needed. But what better way to timestamp an important shift in the show than with such a killer episode topic today, episode 250, because it's so hella timely and totally parallels my past pursuits and my current pursuits and my future pursuits as a creative trying to make waves on my own terms. And I really think you'll dig it. And what better segue into today's overview? Because two hurdles I hear holding creatives back all the time are one, the pursuit of perfection, two, lacking motivation to make moves. When in reality, we're the ones holding ourselves up with these internal conflicts that we can choose to sidestep at any time because this creative game we're playing is all a matter of perspective and choice. And the people you and I looked up to often deal with these same things as well, these same struggles, yet they refuse to let them be distractions from chasing what they want. And today's guest, my homegirl, Elizabeth Gray of the Greater Good, is living proof that finding success with your style is an ever-evolving process in overcoming these internal hurdles. She's an absurdly talented lettering artist, muralist, and illustrator with a combined audience of almost three quarter of a million followers, and that's just taking her Instagram and her TikTok. Her biggest talent is showing herself in her work while executing her art and content in just this incredibly entertaining yet valuable way. She's truly found her secret sauce. 
She's also the author of her upcoming book, The Happy Homebody, a field guide to the great indoors, which is all about empowering the introverted creative. But in today's episode, we specifically talk shop on overcoming the inner perfectionism dialogue, finding motivation within a routine, finding style through constraints and experimentation, and so much more. And the goal of this is just to provide a little insight on how to find your style and groove while setting yourself up for breakthroughs along the way, because it's truly about the slow and steady grind. Before we get started, if you find value in this today, can you just do me a favor and share the show with your friends, your family, your following, or tag us on Instagram stories, side hustle perspective, or the greater good, so we can connect and I can reshare the love back. And as always, I hope you keep an open mind and act on anything that inspires you today. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 250. We got Liz Gray of The Greater Good back on. Bum, 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 bum. Liz, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing so well. It's been so long since we've caught up, but you know, it just felt right when you asked me to do this episode and I looked at it the other day and the last time we did an episode was 125. So doing 250, you know, it just felt right. Crazy. Yeah. Cause I was in the, the pre-warm up as we were talking, I was like, you know what? I'm taking my break in. March and April. I've never taken a break from the party. Even when I had kiddos, you know, I had like episodes scheduled. So it's terrifying me to take a break. I was going to stop at 249, pick it back up at 250 when I had this live streaming format set up. And you came back and you're like, hey, I'll take you up on that like promotion because I got a book drop. And I'm like, whoa, the stars align. And the fact that it's 125 and now 250, like, yes, the universe works in mysterious ways. So let's catch people up from where you were. Gosh, episode, that would have been May 1st. Was that 2019? I think so, because I'm doing the math. It was right around when we moved into our house, which, yeah, that was almost three years ago. Yeah, we were at my old place, and I had a little boy, little Scotty the Third. Like, wow, so much has changed for us. And, yeah, maybe you were just doing your thing full-time or... I know you were slanging cakes. We had just like really connected that year and really hit it off. And we're like, okay, Instagram lives, podcast, all the things. You've done guest expert calls for me for my students. So let's catch back up and uh, I'll shut up now. Catch us up from what's been going on in your world since 2019 through the pandemic to where you are today. It's crazy because a lot of it feels like a blur because I don't know if it's the same for you as it was for me, but 2020 just felt like simultaneously the longest year in existence, but also the shortest year, like nothing really happened. You know, we all kind of stayed home and chilled and just, you know, tried to play it safe, but it, there wasn't like, oh, you know, the vacations, like this memorable event that happened, it was all just, you know, we're all watching the news and staying home. So it just kind of felt like a little blip, but um, 2021 was good as well. Actually the beginning of 2020 so that would have been, you know, soon after we caught up is when I got a couple emails in my inbox asking if I wanted to write the book. So I was pretty much head down working in secret for all of 2020 and most of 2021. I think we finished in June or July. So it was about like almost two years of just secret work while trying to keep up with everything else on top of that. That is nuts. So between then and now moved into a new house. You've painted a gang of murals, like really finding your groove as a solopreneur. It clips in crazy following numbers on all your social media accounts. 
Yeah, you've been really, really, really busy, and it's really see. It, it's great to see you own the introverted lettering artist who likes coffee and my nails, fashion. So, like everything we talked about back in episode one twenty five, growing your online audience. We talked about three tips for growing your online engaged audience. All that stuff you talked about then, you have applied and put into work, and it continues to pay off. Like you are living proof of you practice what you preach. So I really encourage people to go back to that, and let's let's use this as a way to like bridge us today because today a lot of people I know in my audience struggle with perfectionism. You know, trying to tap into a source of motivation to find their own personal style to get to where you are today. If you could talk a little bit about. Let's first, let's just dive into, let's make this a three-point uh, curriculum that we're going to dive through today. We'll go back like and forth, it. and then we'll just set it up for the book, because all of this led to the book, and this could all lead to someone of their ideal end result that they're wanting or don't even know that they're seeking, that they're attracting. So first things first, let's talk about perfectionism. What do you struggle with, or what does your audience struggle with the most? And I've had a lot of chats with uh, my community in the DMs about this, but just Sometimes the hardest part is actually sitting down to start a project because you look at the blank page and you start to overthink and you're like, okay, this is, you put a lot of pressure on yourself going into it and you don't need to do that. At least for me, what helps is sitting down without a ton of expectations, without me just, you know, trying to psych myself up, which in turn does the opposite effect. I'm like, you know, okay, this has to be amazing and incredible and you know inspired and it's got to also go viral on instagram and it's got to go in my portfolio like that's so much pressure on yourself and your poor creativity and it has to make you money otherwise you're a failure exactly and it's like if this isn't good you don't deserve to be an artist and you're not creative and just just quit with the inner monologue like what i like to do that i started doing because i found myself creating excuses instead of creating art is just to sit down and I have a notebook specifically for being a mess. Um, and I just, if I find myself, you know, trying to think of words, but if I find myself just sitting down and staring at the page and not making stuff, I will purposely make bad and or messy things just to get started drawing, just to put something on the page. And usually that will get the creative juices flowing. And also if you don't have ideas, I think we talked about this back in episode 125 too, but whenever I am feeling inspired, I just have a note on my phone. That's kind of like my well, which I draw from. And if I'm staring at the blank page and I don't know where to start, I'll go back to that and be like, oh yeah, I had this idea. Like a little gold mine of ideas that you've collected. Exactly. That maybe I haven't had time to start on or just haven't felt like I had this idea, but I wasn't sure how to execute it. Then I'll start with one of those. One thing I'm like, oh my gosh, I already have a sketch in my mind. Create art, not excuses. And I like have another saying I like to say, make moves, not excuses. But I like I like the art side of it too. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm already, okay, I got to write that one down for a rainy day. Let's do a collab, Pete. Could do a collab whenever our schedule's free up. Like you're swamped, I'm swamped, but I would always make time for you. Um... But something I realize is that there's so much pressure again to be perfect, to feel like you have to figure it out overnight, to feel like you have to have it monetized right away. Otherwise, no one's going to take you seriously. Mm -hmm. And so many people are pressured into the philosophy. It's got to be about quality, not quantity. But that's where that perfectionism side comes in, where I've had to learn how to let go. And it's like, yo, 
quantity leads to quality, hence why I like to teach my student, you got to post your turds. Get the turdy mm-hmm. work out there. It takes a sea of turds in order for you to stumble across your gold. Exactly. And I feel like that can be where we connect as people too, is in the mistakes and the messes and the imperfections, like showing up with our weaknesses and our strengths. Because if you show up like with your strengths, you're able to maybe like, you know, help yourself and help support somebody else through something, but also showing up with your weaknesses is vulnerable. And that's where we connect as people. And that's maybe where someone else can come along and show up for you and be strong in that area for you. So it's just, it's, builds the relationship and the community and it also builds I feel like it builds strength within yourself to you know be vulnerable in front of you know who knows how many strangers on the internet whether it's 10 or like a hundred thousand it's terrifying but it's it's good for you and we live in an age of like personal brands like the most powerful thing you can have right now is you as a personal brand like people want to hire you support you get close and connected because they feel or feel seen or understood by you and I really really like that I like calling it embrace the ugly embrace the ugly own the ugly and share the ugly because it's hard to relate to someone who's just perfect and you do a great job you leave all your old where I can go scroll back to the early days of Liz's IG journey and my like I leave everything all the way back to when I was just drawing weird stuff on my Instagram and then it went into heavy hand lettering. Then I was my illustrated. There's my design side. And then here's the coaching shift. Like you can see that progression. And I, I feel like, do you ever, do you feel like you tap into a new level of like, okay, I got to chase something new again. I got to, I'm plateauing. I got to really dive into the next level and I have to suck again. I have to be a beginner again. Yes. A hundred percent. Especially when sometimes you get into, I feel like it very much happens as a wave whenever I'm hitting like a really low point and they're like my creativity or my motivation, or, you know, I have no clients or something as whenever that happens, I know it's about to start getting good again. It always like, it always happens. Creativity really ebbs and flows and the freelance life and the creative life. It's a cycle. It really is. So I've gone through that cycle, you know, whether it's every week or like every couple months, I know when I hit that low point, I'm like, okay, it's about to start getting good again. So I start looking for it and trying to find it. I feel like that's an advanced signal right there for people early in the game and they feel a slump coming on. That's a good thing. I think uh, Lisa Congdon in her book, Finding Your Creative Voice, Your Artistic Voice, she talks about it's a cycle. And once you go through the cycle of questioning, things are good, you're riding the wave, but then you start plateauing, then you hit the um, phase of questioning or whatever it is, that's our signal of like, Hey, the gold is on the other side. It's time to push through, maybe take a mental health break, whatever it is, get your mind right. But just know like, Hey, this is a sign. Your spider sense is going off. Something's tingling. Like, all right, it's time for the next level. This is the plateau. It's time for the next level of the growth. What do you do to like dive deep into that, to let go of perfectionism, realizing I'm in a plateau and like the next level of this game I'm about to unlock you know what do you do something there's like a couple different things that helps me and you can experiment with you know whatever you like um talking to peers you know people in your space can be really helpful especially if you're feeling that imposter syndrome which I was you know I'm gonna be honest feeling last night before this podcast I'm like I'm gonna go on here and talk to a bunch of people 
And it's like, have I really changed from the last time I was on this podcast? Like, am I doing okay? Like, they're going to think like I'm a fraud because I won't have like quick and ready answers for anything. And, you know, I think if people knew how often, you know, successful or popular creators wanted to quit, which, you know, it could be every other week, it could be every other day for me, like depending, I think that would be really encouraging, you know? So like last night I was stressing out about it. So you know, you can do um, some physical self-care. I did some yoga, which doing something like that or taking a walk, just getting like out of my head and into my body, if that makes sense, doing something or like baking something that's a little more intensive, like a cookie recipe you've never tried before or doing something just to get out of that negative headspace really helps and working and doing something where it's working with your hands or like I said, exercising, that can be helpful. And I also depending on how I'm feeling, I might do something that has nothing to do with creativity or lettering. I'll go sit and like read a book or watch a movie and just try to, again, like disconnect myself from that, get inspired through something else. You have other outlets versus like, I have to be plugged into the matrix of lettering and content creation and brand building. Yeah. Because I think if you get yourself stuck in a place where you feel like you have to be on that all the time, you're not going to enjoy it anymore and it's not going to feel real and authentic and you're not going to enjoy doing that. It's just another mundane day job. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to have, cause you're not, you're not just one side of yourself. We're all so different. We all have so many different interests and it's okay to embrace that. Like I play video games a lot that may not be part of my personal online brand. It doesn't mean it's fake. Because yes, I'm showing this side of myself online, but I also have other things that I like to do that I'm not going to monetize and I'm not going to talk about because otherwise that boundary line that's so fine between, you know, if you are a personal brand or you want to be a personal brand, you've got to have, you know, the work side and the work stuff and also just fun things in the personal side because otherwise you're not going to be a full and complete person and enjoy your life and your work. I love how you talked about the imposter syndrome. One, we barely even came to this one. Like, here's a crazy outline. Here's the plan. Like, I feel like I know you, you know me, we know our audience, and we deal with the same struggles that they deal with. Like, when you said imposter syndrome, I doubt myself every day. It's literally why I have tatted on my wrist. You got this. And then you belong here because I live in my head. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I am winging it every day. And I think it's scary when you're a solopreneur, you're doing your thankful time. It's this glamorous life from the outside. But if we're sharing the ugly, it's like, I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. If people don't sign up for the coaching program or listen to the podcast or buy this service or product, if I'm not out there producing value or creating impact, like I will lose my house. I will put my family at risk. So just know like we struggle with the same stuff and it's it's a very difficult life to like do your thing creatively full time. It's very difficult. It's the hardest thing out there. hundred percent. But it's also, I think, I feel like you've talked about this for with um, Terrence and other people and like Katie and Alana. Shout out to them and their good type takeover. Big shout out to them. Little plug. They probably won't hear it, but I just want to give them uh, proper kudos, but please continue. Sorry to interrupt. Like you said, you know, it's which difficulties are you choosing? Are you going to choose like less flexibility, but a steady paycheck? And then you do your side projects and have fun with your creativity there as well. Or are you going to choose, I'm going to, I want to do my own thing full-time and be my own boss, but also accept the struggles that come with that. It's like, which 
difficulties are you picking and choosing? And there's not like a right or wrong answer, you know, what works for you in that moment. Like Terrence shifted from freelance to a J job because that's what was working better for him at the time. And he still finds time to, you know, launch a really cool new merch line and has an amazing website and does so much creative work on the side too. And it's just fun at the end of the day. Like I'd rather be doing this betting on myself than feeling like I got to trust the safe day job again after I already got rug pulled after being told I had job security. I'd rather like bet on myself. Like this, this is the chase. I love, I like the pressure. You like the pressure, but oftentimes the second point that I wanted to uh, bring up today is lack of motivation. Fears just like, I just, I just don't have motivation to show up today. You know, I would love to hear you a little speak a little bit about that more as well, based on the struggles people bring to you and that you navigate yourself. For sure. Um, And the thing about it is if you, you know, choose what you and I are currently doing and betting on yourself, you don't have the luxury of relying on motivation. It's like, okay, I don't have motivation today. That sucks. I still have to reply to emails and I still have to finish editing this video and I've still got to submit these files. It's great when you have the motivation and the creativity and it's flowing and you can tap into that and just, you know, you're like, this is what I'm meant to do. I feel super prolific today. Get everything done. I'm aligned with the universe. Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of times you just have to suck it up when I don't have, it depends on like the motivation for specific things too. And also again, like taking a little bit to get outside of your head. Like I've restarted my morning yoga again. And that just really helps me feel like getting a routine in place to start the day and getting like letting myself know what to expect if I'm running. I'm going to get up. I'm going to call my husband as he goes to work. And then I'm going to drink my coffee and do yoga and get a shower. And then I'm going to work, you know, setting work hours up for yourself. There's a book I'm going to start reading called Atomic Habits that I know Tom's recommended. You probably read it. All-time favorite book, James Clear. That is a staple once or twice per year. It's on my list, but it's it's so good to kind of like set yourself up for success and get into it motivated or not but the times where you're feeling dry and not motivated are the times when maybe you can again go back to that well or that place where you keep all your ideas and pull from that to try to force start yourself into getting motivated um, another thing that I've seen a lot of other people recommend is keep an encouragement folder on your desktop or on your phone or wherever and have screenshots of, you know, encouraging texts from friends or in my case, you know, a lot of like messages from my community where if I'm feeling really low and like, I chose the wrong career path, I should just do something else. And, you know, da, 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 I'll look at that and be reminded of why I picked to do this. And just having like that outside encouragement can really, really help motivate or, you know, call someone or text someone and just get it all out there. Because sometimes speaking about it or writing it down, like if you're having the fears and the dread, just getting it all out there and being able to look at it, whether it's like via text or you wrote it all down, like in a journal, it can make it seem not as big and bad and scary as it is in your head. Because it seems like so much chaos, like if I have my to-do list in my head and not on paper, it feels like so much. And then I write it down. I'm like, that's like four things. I can get that done in a few hours. I love that. Motivation is a huge thing I hear from people. It's usually the lack of time, money, motivation, and just resources. And I'm like, mm, 
let me handle all of this real quick for you. Uh, but some really cool things that you said there that I want to like extract. For me, what I've learned over the years, motivation comes from the act of doing. Like, as a business owner of yourself, and I would know, like, yep, I'm in the middle of a launch. I just want to draw right now and make cool NFTs. But I have an outline in a boot camp and a coaching program coming up. So, like, those take priority because those feed my family and those do the most impact and service to people. So I got to do that first. Um, but I would really like you that you said, especially if you're lacking motivation routines are everything you set yourself up for success right now which kind of jump starts your motivation because you build self-care also into your routine which sets you up for your success and the more routines you have in your systems and processes you can just insert yourself into the machine that you are building and motivation will come through the act of doing like all of a sudden i don't want to write this outline but once i get started oh i find my groove exactly you know so we can't always wait for motivation and inspiration and the muse to strike. Sometimes we just got to insert ourselves and show up when it's inconvenient. And I'm not talking about forcing things when you don't feel good and not talking about self-care. This is the art of healthy hustling for a reason. Like the fact that you talk about yoga. I do eight to 10,000 steps a day just to get away from my computer and get my mind right. It's, it's more we take care of ourselves, the more our productivity and creativity Right, so I think that's a really, really important thing that you set up your routines. That's a big thing in Atomic Habits. So you're already ahead of the game. Awesome. And was it? I can't remember who said it. It might have been Picasso, but you know, I feel like every other artsy quote on the internet is attributed to Picasso. But it says like, in, it's something like inspiration comes, but it has to find you working. Ooh, that's exactly what I'm trying to articulate. That just sounded way more sexier. <laughs> and I probably <laughs> misquoted it, but. I've read that before and I've said it many times and yeah, it's again, it's getting started and trying to set yourself up for success. And like you said, building self-care into your routine, because if you're not taking care of yourself, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it's going to show in your creativity. There's going to be something missing because you're not in it because you have nothing to give to that. And it's, there's another quote, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup if you're not pouring to, into yourself with other hobbies that you're specifically not monetizing because they're just for fun. You know, or the physical, the working out, the yoga, the walking, eating nutritional meals. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be motivated to work. You're not going to feel like it. You're going to be sick and tired and just not into it at all. It's like your your body is a car and it runs off fuel and we need to maintenance, you know, all the self-care, everything you said and like eating real foods. This isn't like a health and wellness discussion today but if you're eating gas station sammies energy drinks and meals out of cans and boxes like you're gonna have brain fog and feel stuck and slip into creative funks a lot easier you know and get lost in your head that was me i can only speak to it because that was me until i like got a trainer to be like yo what are you doing and you're averaging like four hours of sleep and you think you're gonna run a successful creative business and not burn out like what so self-care is so important. Like your car or, or your body's a home, your body's a temple. Take care of your home or you have nowhere to live. Exactly. I love that. So when you're feeling really, really, really low, is is lack of motivation and clarity, do you sense like, hey, I'm at that end of a cycle. It's time for me to level up and just like push myself into the next scary realm. What scares me next kind of thing? Yes. And I've got um, also that book that says do a hundred things or do something every day that scares you. And I can flip through that and get inspiration and motivation from that or do one of the challenges. But yeah, it's like, I know something needs to change. 
And I am a bit of an oxymoron because I dislike change, but I also love it and love new challenges. And I love the part of freelance life where I don't know what I'm going to be doing the next day, but I also like, like stability and I love routine until I hate it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of complicated, but yeah, when I'm feeling that way, I know I need to change something up, whether it's, you know, oh, I haven't been able to make nutritional food for myself lately because I've been so busy. It's like, okay, maybe say no to that project and say yes to a little bit more meal planning because I got to take care of that or whatever. But yeah, it's like, I always, you can kind of tell when you're not feeling motivated because of a stupid reason, if that makes sense, or if it's like something bigger, like, okay, you're just being a baby, get to work versus like I said earlier, suck it up. Be a professional, not a hobbyist. Don't be my toddler who wings it and does things when it feels good and throws a little fit and temper tantrum when you don't get your way. Like, oh, I wish I could draw today, but I got to work on this course. Oh no, you got to make money and and freelance. (laughs) Oh no, that sucks. No, exactly. Like, you know, you signed up for this. I love that. So something I think you're a master of, you're the queen of finding your style and just like craftily curating the little pieces about you that you really love about your identity. And then like putting that into your brand, like the nails and the coffee, the introvertedness, your lettering style, and just how you connect and still like drop little tips to your audience. It's like five buckets. I can just rip right away with that warm, inviting, friendly, welcoming, gosh, I don't even know. It's not vintage style, but it's just like, that's Liz. I can pick out a Liz style anywhere, whether it's a sponsored post or it's just like a personal piece of work from you, but it hasn't been that easy. And this is what I know is going to lead us to the book, but like, let's talk about finding your style because I'm in a season of reinventing and finding my style again, listening to my inner voice. Mm-hmm. letting go of what I think people want to see, you know? So like, what's the path of pursuing your creative style been like and and where it's at today and where do you think it's going to be in the future? And I feel like this goes right back to what we were talking about with imposter syndrome and everything like that. Because especially as creatives, we can look at just, you know, scroll through the feed for a few minutes and you're like, oh, I wish my art looked like that. Or they do such a good job. I should turn and change and do that. But what really helped me, and this might have also been in Lisa Congdon's book, I can't remember, I need to reread it, it's so good. But she or someone else said, you cannot make something that isn't your style. And I liked that a lot because I struggle with imposter syndrome a lot. And especially when working on the book, I really got in my head about it. And I'm like, all of this has to like look like me and my style and like, how am I going to do that? And what is my style again? And should I change everything? Should it be like different than everything else I've ever done? You know, just kind of overthought it a lot, but it's true. It's like, you can't make something that's not your style and finding your style can be part of it is doing the work and figuring out, you know, what you like and what you're good at drawing or, you know, teaching yourself to draw something that you want to draw because Again, you like it. And it's in the styles of things you choose to do. Like, I'm not going to do something that's super vintage and complex, like Lisa Quinn, who's incredible at it. And like, again, like you said, I can spot a piece and I know she did it. And that is her thing. We love Lisa here. Oh, oh my goodness. She's incredible. And it's, it can be something like, again, 
the way you draw certain things. I've gotten, of all things, criticism for the way I draw stars, because I guess they have four points and they're like, oh, the bottom line shouldn't be longer. And it was it was a whole discussion. It's a funny story. This is my star style swerve. This is the way I like to draw them. And no, it's not 100% realistic or accurate, but where's the fun in all of that? Like, this is my world that I'm creating right now. Ooh. Exactly. That's the whole thing about finding style is this create your own world, you know, leverage your interests, things that were weird to you as a kid. Like, I love cats, I love pizza, I love outer space. So they happen to show up a lot in my work, but you operate with constraints. And to me, that is so helpful for me and like with my students too. Like here's a season of the style that I'm going to be experimenting. I like to call it the secret sauce is what I work with students, but here's the two, three, four, five topics that I'll rotate in. Here's the color palette I'll operate within. Here is the medium or the brushes I'll only use. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that has all been extremely helpful. Here's the only one or two filters I'll use on Instagram. Got that from you. Here's the only one or two typefaces or fonts I'll be using within my brand. It's like you're creating your own brand style guides for yourself. For a season, you can always tweak it and shift it. Do you feel like constraints has been very, very a powerful tool for you to get to where you are today? I think so, but I think it's also okay to know that those constraints can change over time and they should once you feel like you've tapped out of that. Cause I did just black and white lettering for the longest time because that's, I mean, pretty much I kind of changed. I think I started using color like mid 2020, which was weird. Let's get our scroll on for a second. Let's get yeah. our scroll on. So if you're watching the tubes, the YouTubes, um, we're just going to like, scroll as she like talks you keep talking pretend I'm not even scrolling and you just do your thing okay but do you remember when I texted you I think it was in 2020 because um we were talking about like the move and the podcast and everything and we were catching up quite a bit and I was like I have green in one of my photos and I kind of oh, hate yeah. it and you remember that I was like I've got to delete it I don't like it and you're like that's okay maybe I it's a little dumb that. but like I also get it you know it doesn't have to be a big deal that's but, how I was too, because everything was mm-hmm. black and white like yours was. I was monochromatic, yep. black and white. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I put a splash of red in something. What are people going to think? <laughs> we have yeah, your own it's like, Look at us. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think it's important to have like constraints during a season mm-hmm. to reduce the overwhelm, to reduce yeah. the thinking, to make the game easier, like play on easy mode, have some <laughs> objectives. You can operate way quicker. And then like, it's okay to change. And a season yeah. is... A season is subjective mm-hmm. to whatever you want it to be. You know, a season could be like, here's a series of 10 and here's my constraints or here's the year I'm going to work within these constraints. Here's two years. Here's a quarter, you know, so it's yep. subjective. And your style is and should evolve and change over time because you don't want to get to a place where you're feeling stuck because the constraints, if they help, like you said, with the creativity if you have every option available, you're going to start to have um, decision paralysis and you won't be able to do anything. So if you give yourself guidelines or like for me, I just wanted to work in black and white. I'm like, this is a really fun challenge for me to see exactly how much I can do with just these colors. Because um, again, another quote that I can't remember who said it, but they said, if it doesn't look good in black and white, it won't look good in color. That's like the logo one-on-one, like get your logo done in black and white first. And then you can like 
vamp it with your color and your style. So yeah, 100%. Easier to see, you know, is it balanced? Like all are these strokes the same width? You know, do I need to add texture here? Like what's the color grading going to look like? If it's all in black and white, you can look at it more objectively. And if it's in color, your eyes kind of distracted and going all over the place. Yeah. Like, look, this is not Liz from 2019. This is Liz who's grown and your style has evolved and you've given yourself permission to evolve. Like we're all just little Pokemons evolving right now to the next level. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's, that's us and embrace the change. Things will change your goals, your ambitious pursuits, your targets, your Everything, it'll change as you change. So embrace the change. Like this is, oh my God, yeah. that's so awesome. I remember Liz who just had an iPad, no Photoshop, no laptop, did everything on her iPad and phone. Like, has much changed in the last, since 2019, since we last talked? I'm like, uh, yeah, so much has changed with you. But talk about how your style has evolved and owning these little buckets and your personal brand and your identity. And let's talk about this book now. It speaks, like you said, I feel like to the power of leaning into what you like, which is what we've talked about before, and chasing what you want and just embracing who you are as a person and your interests. Because like little did I know, I had a book editor that had been following me for a couple years and she really liked what I did. So she talked to her team and reached out to me. Um, her name's Lindsay. She's incredible. Can 10 out of 10 recommend the publisher I worked with just cannot say enough good things about them and they're not paying me to say that. Um, but they've been following me for a while and thought that I, they're like, we, we should write a book together. I think you would be good about, you know, good at doing this. And what do you want to write a book on? And I was just kind of like, that's a great question. I don't know because I'd been to Letter West, which is a conference and they had um, a book panel and it was really interesting. And I, tried to start thinking of, I was like, that would be, that's something I'd like to do. I used to write like fake, like one chapter of a novel, like when I was little and I was already, I was like a bookworm. I'd stay up late reading and I just always have loved books and words. And that's kind of, you know, that hasn't really changed. I've gotten back into reading again lately just for fun, which has been awesome. Dude, my wife is like binging just random books like crazy lately. I'm like, you're a little bookworm now. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's so much fun. And again, it helps with, that's one of the hobbies where like, I don't have to be creative and I can just be inspired by someone else's gift and creativity. But um, they asked me about doing that and I didn't really want to write a lettering book because there's already so many. And there's people way better than me doing them anyway. And I just, it didn't feel right. You know, I, it felt like that would invite a lot of stress because I'd want to make, it would it'd be more technical instead of creative per se. And we kind of talked about it and she thought I should write something that is like an introvert slash homebody book, which is more niche, but like, those are my people, you know? And it's, it was something that I could draw from, like with my experience of not liking who I was growing up and feeling like different and the outsider because everyone else is hanging out at the party and I'm in the garage with the three cats, you know, just waiting for it to be over. True story. And I'm like the one who's in the party, but in the busy room with the cats. <laughs> exactly. And that's why we're friends. It's like we're opposite, but it works. You know, it's not in stores yet. 
Um, but it's called The Happy Homebody, A Field Guide to the Great Indoor. When this is dropping, this is available. Actually, I just got word yesterday from my publisher that it's going to be March 22nd instead of February 22nd, just because of supply chain. And the books are here. They're sitting in a boat in port and nobody will unload them. That's that's what happened with James Martin and his book kept getting delayed. I yeah. saw that because yeah. um, I was looking at it and I actually pre-ordered his book as soon as I heard about it, which was last March because I'm so excited for it. Mm-hmm. Again, shout out to James. Man, what a crazy yeah. world we're living in. Well, that's all right. If you're listening to this, come and check out in like a month from now, you know, when I'm on the break of the podcast, but I'll still be promoting it everywhere. But so to like kind of tie it in, the perfectionism, if you were stressed out about trying to be perfect, this book wouldn't happen. If you were always waiting for motivation to find you, this wouldn't happen. If you didn't give yourself constraints but permission to change, evolve, and show yourself in your work in terms of finding your style and your style growing as other people grow along with you, this book wouldn't happen. All three areas that we talk about today have been so pivotal and crucial for this opportunity to find you. Exactly. And I didn't know it at the time at all. And you're not supposed yeah. to know it at the time. You know, like, I think that's the big thing. People feel, people are like, I'm too scared to dive all in and commit myself because I don't know what the end result's going to be. And I'm like, that's the exciting part. You're not supposed to know. Like, we're not supposed to have a crystal ball when you get started and bet big and dive all in. Like, you didn't know when you got started drawing on an iPad, you'd be a published author. No. And if you told me that, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but it also would have been... You would have thrown coffee on us. <laughs> Cold coffee. Scratch us with your nails. Like, I would have been so incredibly stressed about it, and I don't think that you're going to create your best work under pressure. Like, a lot of the things that I've been hired for are things that I've done just for fun and things that I wanted to do and that I felt inspired with. Like, this is a random tangent, but I got to work with Michaels, who... I love and adore, and I always have. And I got to make a project that was drawing on the front of a sketchbook, you know, and get paid to do that. Whereas two years before, beginning of 2020, I had a blank notebook sitting in front of me. And I was like, you know, my messy book that's purposefully, oh, this is just where random things happen. And it's going to be a mess and it's going to look bad. Like the pages are not going to be perfect. I just, I wanted, I was like, oh, this is going to be my notebook of 2020. Let's draw on the cover for fun. And then two years later, who would have known that it panned out to I'm getting suddenly paid to do a fun, creative project that I like to do. So, yeah, I think it's good that you don't know. And it's good to just make things that you like and that you enjoy, because that might lead to you getting to paint on a sketchbook and be paid for it or write a book that's, you know, got shiny gold foil on the cover and your cat. I can't wait to get mine. I can't wait to get mine. Hey, that's Lucy. Or is that Emmy? It's Emmy, yeah. Emmy. Yep, yep, yep. But it's still Lucy to me. And now I got little Junebug. Oh, yeah, I got a third cat now. Little baby Junebug. We rescued her. And she's like a little version of Lucy and Emmy. Oh, I wish she was here. I'm surprised I don't have one of them on my lap right now. But another important thing you said, you had an editor following you for a while. You didn't know it. And the huge, huge, huge takeaway is that why we're out here just planting seeds without the pressure to like monetize or like remove the pressure to monetize, let go, have fun and pursue intentional work that lights you up. And you'll be amazed by how much you reduce 
the res- the the resistance of like that opportunity as a byproduct coming your way. The money, the mm-hmm. opportunities, the big breaks will come your way when you let go of trying to just force them. But you never know who's watching. Exactly. Like you never know. You might have a silent admirer who is like planting seeds while you're planting seeds behind the scenes, trying to discover who's that perfect project that this person could be mm-hmm. for. Or like a fan who may know like, hey, I know an art director who's a, I'm a great friend with and yeah, or they own a, they host a conference or something like that, and Liz would be a great speaker. Gosh, I want to get you on somewhere <laughs> sometime. I'm like, Liz needs to be doing keynotes. But I'm like, that's such a powerful thing, like a powerful message of hopium for people, giving people some hope. It's true, and I think it's also good, like we were talking about being open to change and things that come your way. I almost said no to writing the book because I was scared that I would fail and fail very publicly. Like I was stressed about it up to the day of the announcement because I didn't know how people were going to react. And I talked with recent good friend of mine, um, Amber Share, who did the viral project Subpar Parks. She wrote the book. It's incredible. It's hilarious. Again, shout out to her. Love her to death. She made a post that says you could be the right package. You're just on the wrong porch. You're not the right person for everybody. And that's a good thing because if you are the right person for everybody, then you're for nobody. So like my book is niche and there's, I've already, it took a long time to accept the fact that there's going to be people who don't like it and to be okay with it. Like I knew that going into it, but I'm genuinely okay with it now. I like, I know for instance, like my brother, this book is not for him. It's like not for his personality type. And that's okay. It doesn't mean he hates me personally or anything like that. He's just not going to like sit down and read and enjoy the book. It's not his vibe. That's okay. I'm fine with it. You know, and it's not the most perfect thing ever made. And I'm also okay with that. Um, it It's interesting because when we started the book, we had a big discussion. Is it all going to be in black and white? Because I was still kind of in that phase when we were talking about it. And I did a lot of work in black and white, but I also, I feel like you can kind of see, and granted the books, I, I did it in a different order than it's laid out in now. Like some of the pieces in the back are from the beginning and et cetera, et cetera. But you can kind of, I feel like I can see how my work transitioned throughout working on all of it. And that was sort of hard to accept that was changing, but I was also really happy about it. And it was fun to do something new but still me if that makes sense absolutely there's like different versions of you in the book and i think the one if not the biggest hurdle one of the biggest hurdles if you want to chase what you want the liz term that stuck with me for so long now you want to do your thing successfully long term pursuing the work that lights you up impacting the people you care about the most with the clients that you dream of whatever it is the biggest hurdle is accepting in between your ears that not everyone's going to love you and your work. You're not pizza. You can't make everyone happy. You know, like that's, that's, that's another quote I need tatted somewhere on me, but that's, that's a really hard pill. I'm a, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Every day I'm recovering from this life. So the fact that someone's not going to like me because of my personality, that hurts. That hurts. Cause I feel like I, I can bring a lot of value to this world and I'm a good human and I really care about people but 
my approach, my demeanor, my interests. It's not for yeah, everyone. But just because someone doesn't like you doesn't mean you're a good person, you know? Or doesn't mean you're not a good person. I don't think you need that I was negative. Like, oh, no. I suck as a human. <laughs> no, I probably said that wrong. No, and, and but like, does that make does that make any sense? No, absolutely. It's like just because your work's not blowing up on Instagram doesn't mean you don't have really high quality work. Just because someone wrote you a negative review on your podcast that really hurt oh, your no. heart doesn't mean that someone else it's they're not loving it and it's not providing them massive transformation hence why i also have like my motivation folder for when i get a really mean person who wants to try and bring me down i have my folder i can look back i'm like okay actually you don't suck as a human yeah it's like the one percent of negativity versus the 99 percent. how is that somehow louder sometimes than you know it buries itself into my subconscious where my inner critic wants to use that as leverage against me to like rain on my parade. That's what I find so fascinating about people like you and the people I bring on is we have the inner critics, we have the doubt, but we do it anyway because we feel called. We're answering the call. You said yes to a book you want to say no to. The first time I got offered a public speaking gig, I almost said no to it. And then it led me to like the next bag public speaking gig, which I almost said no to, which led to podcasting which I was too scared. I wanted to just play Pokemon Go all summer to distract myself from doing the podcast. But then that led to coaching. You know, so it's like, you got to answer the call. What what scares you, terrifies you, but yet also excites you and makes you really nervous. And like, that's the exactly. thing. That's where the growth is. It's You hit the nail on the head. It's like, it's terrifying, but also exciting. Because you kind of you kind of know you get a gut feeling about something like I I probably should be doing this like this is a really good opportunity even though I'm scared and you can also kind of feel out and maybe this is just me as like a highly sensitive introvert person feeling but you can just feel out whether something is or isn't the right move like you you really know deep in your gut it's like are you making excuses your gut your heart your soul your intuition are all nudging you to that next level of your evolution. But logic, that caveman mentality, is wired to keep us safe. It can't measure the risk of what is on the other side of this opportunity. It can only measure like, hey, this is what could go wrong. This is what you could lose. It's a psychological thing with us. I knew like Liz, when I was looking at the book deal, Liz from two years from now would have probably slapped me and said, why didn't you do that? You're an idiot. You know, so you've got to think about like, is it something you can feasibly take on? And if it feels like a, maybe a little bit like too much, maybe that's a good thing for you to push yourself. You kind of know when you're pushing yourself for a good reason again, like versus you're just like, oh, I just want to be a little bit lazy or if it's too much, like you kind of know the difference. So also, yeah, think about what your future self is going to say to you. Are you always going to look back and regret not doing or doing something? But most likely if you regret doing something, it was you know, maybe not the right situation, but you learned something from it. So figure out how you can apply that lesson to anything that comes in the future. I like the concept of like your gut, your heart, your soul, your intuition is like nudging you. Like really that's future Liz who you're trying to make proud right now. And they're trying to like nudge you to become this version of themselves while like your inner critic is that logic rooted in your head. Like, yo, it's passively exists. Play it safe right now. You're really comfortable. You know, so it's like those two versions of us. Um, what is like the number one takeaway that if I got this book, 
this is like the aha moment it's going to provide me. Or I'm like, why should I care about this book if I'm that perfect person of you that you're targeting? You know, I see myself in you. I'm going to try to like figure it out because it's, the book is a lot of things. And so it's hard to put it into one category and Amazon's, you know, struggling with um, what to call it. I guess I want people to that are like me to feel heard and understood and cared for just the way that they are. And it's, it's got a lot of things in it. Um, there's like different chapters and sections, but the whole vibe of it is, and I've talked about this before, like I was a homebody before it was cool or before the pandemic. And it's about a lot of the things that I talk about on my Instagram as well. It's like accepting yourself and being mindful of moments that make up your life. And just, I feel like plays into the strengths of homebodies and will encourage you and hopefully inspire you. Man, no, that's that's beautiful. Like a summarized value probably what I'm hearing is like, man, this is an empowering book for the creative introvert who needs a little inspiration to be themselves in a world where everyone's convincing them to be something else. You said it better than I did, so. I'm good at that. And then that's why I have a coach to help me get my ramblings in check to concisely spit it back out. Well, even if I'm not your perfect person in mind, I can't wait to get mine. And hopefully I can get it autographed somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where, can, where can people go to follow you and support you online as well as pre-order the book since this is coming out at the end of February to be coming out soon. So like, where is it going to be available? Where can people follow you and all the good stuff like that, that I can put in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Instagram for like the professional, uh, personal brand kind of stuff, TikTok for random chaos and some nail stuff, just cause that's like the really fun, goofy side. If you want occasional, emails like not very many but um sometimes just news sometimes here's a batch of inspiration in case you're feeling in need of it i everything's pretty much linked on my website which is www.thegreatergood.net i've got all the pre-order links for book there 2019 liz gray didn't even have a website oh my goodness i didn't even (laughs) i didn't remember that see i have changed so proud you have. You've grown as a professional in all areas, for sure. I'm just really, really, really proud of you. And where can people go get this book? It's available at a lot of places. I've got it all linked on my website. Um, if you need an international link or are having trouble finding it, please email me or my publisher. But it's on the My New Book section of my website. And it's at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Books A Million, Hudson's, Powell's, IndieBam. Oh, there's, there's a lot. Waterstones, Booktopia Books bookshop or blue star press books a million yeah yeah bowl.com like it's everywhere this is well it's you're gonna find that this is a very uh deep niche niche whatever you want to say um it may not be for everyone but it's for the right people the perfect person and um just again i'm really 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 proud of you and i'm glad i get to call you my friend and have you back on the show so what do we say? Every 125 episodes you come back on. So yeah, see you then. Watch out for Liz. Can't wait. Uh, pencil me in for that. Yeah. Well, much love to you, Liz. Thank you for being my friend and making time for my audience. And I can't wait to cheer you on and share. Yeah, thank you too. I really appreciate everything as always. So glad we're homies. All right, peace. Bye. Let's be in touch. Bye. 
hope you enjoyed this conversation with me and my homegirl, Liz Gray of The Greater Good. Do what you do best. If you found value in what she had to say today, go blow her up on Instagram, social media, share with her your biggest takeaway, and just know you can find the full episode information containing all links and references within the show notes, episode 250, within your current podcast listening app. And as I sign off, I got to give a huge shout out to the podcast team on your page, Hannah, Jared, and Bluka for making this show possible. And you, thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for being patient. And I promise you, the podcast is coming. It's going to be bigger and better. And I hope you stick along with me and are a part of this community-driven format that I'm working towards. So keep showing up, keep putting in the work, and keep creating. You got this.